It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode number 208 of Brewers on Tap. The crew rolling 20 games above 500. That ties for the highest mark above 500 this season for the Brewers. Still seven games up in the NL Central and playing outstanding baseball since the All-Star break. It's really been fun to watch. This team has played so well. Offense just totally clicking since the All-Star break. And, of course, the pitching has continued to do its thing. Brewers just coming off of a road trip in which they swept the Pirates in three games in Pittsburgh and then went to Atlanta, a place they hadn't won a series yet at Truist Park. Didn't win the series in 2017. 2018, 2019, 2021, a different story. The Brewers winning on Friday, dropping a a tough one on Saturday night, and then bouncing back with a 2-1 victory on Sunday. So the Brewers go 5-1 on the road trip, come home for 3 with Pittsburgh. Then, of course, on the back end of this homestand, the San Francisco Giants, and then a long road trip on the horizon for the Brewers. Everybody locked in last week to the trade deadline. What would the Brewers do? What would other teams do? And there was certainly plenty of movement. It was one of the more chaotic and kind of crazy to follow trade deadlines in recent memory. The Brewers made some moves. They made a move on Wednesday to acquire Eduardo Escobar from the Arizona Diamondbacks, a corner infielder who has a lot of versatility. He can even move into the outfield a little bit. He can pretty much play anywhere on the diamond. Escobar with a lot of power when the Brewers acquired him, 22 home runs. Of course, he homered on Friday night in Atlanta, so now he has 23 home runs on the year, but a very good fit for this team, a very high-energy, positive guy, great teammate from everything that you read and everything you've heard, so going to be a really great fit with this team. The other moves the Brewers made... They acquired John Curtis from the Miami Marlins, who's having a really good year and, of course, pitched with the Rays last year, pitched in the postseason a ton, including three appearances in the World Series. And they also acquired left-hander Daniel Norris from the Tigers, a guy that has very good stuff. He's getting left-handers out at a very good rate. And he also has trended in the right direction over the last couple of weeks. He had a tough start to the year, but his numbers starting to come down, starting to put together some really good performances for Daniel Norris maybe over the last month or so. So uh, the Brewers added some depth to that bullpen, and they needed it right away because the Brewers had a couple of guys test positive for COVID-19 over the weekend in Atlanta. So Hunter Strickland, Jake Cousins are going to be away from the team for the next 10 days or so before they can rejoin the team. So it was, you know, never good timing, obviously, for that situation. But in this 
in the realm of the Brewers adding some arms, they couldn't have come at a better time because the Brewers were going to need some extra arms and some reinforcements with those guys hitting the COVID IL. So Norris, Curtis, and of course, Eduardo Escobar. You're going to hear from Eduardo Escobar coming up on the podcast. Also, you're going to hear from John Curtis. And we're also going to talk to Brett Anderson because he pitched twice on this road trip and pitched unbelievably well. We talked to him after the first start in Pittsburgh, and you're going to get a chance to listen to that conversation. But he bounced, didn't bounce back because he pitched really well in Pittsburgh, six shutout innings in Pittsburgh. And then he came back on Sunday and threw six innings and gave up just the one run. I should say five and two-thirds innings and gave up just that one run to the Atlanta Braves on Sunday. So, all that being said, uh, those are some of the moves the Brewers made. That doesn't count Rowdy Telez in early July. That doesn't count Willie Adamas in late May. But the Brewers made one more move on Monday, and that was acquiring former Brewer John Axford from the Toronto Blue Jays. 38 years old. The velocity is ticked up again. He signed a minor league deal with the Blue Jays, and the Brewers are going to have him in uniform Monday night and available. So John Axford coming back to the Brewers. Of course, he is one of the most prolific late-inning relievers the Brewers have ever had, and so it's a cool story, and it's going to be a lot of fun to welcome John Axford back to American Family Field. All right, let's jump into this. Brewers at 63-43, and rolling along. They've added to this roster. Let's talk to Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo, take me through your emotions when you found out that you were going to be traded to the Brewers. You probably knew there was a chance you were going to get moved, but I know you had a, a great run in Arizona and really had a, a good group of guys you liked being with with the Diamondbacks as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, for it, so, I'm so happy. I say thank you for, for people from Arizona. I had great people over there for for player, coach, everybody. But now yeah, here, you know, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm becoming, you know, my best energy here. You know, the first time he told me you going to the Milwaukee, I'm so, I'm so happy, you know, because I know, I know, I see this team for a long time when I play with Minnesota, when I play um, in Arizona, you know, I know the, the people, a couple of players too here. He told me hey, you belong here, nice people. Everybody told me the same thing. It's why the thing you want, you know, what you so good people, you special people, you happy people. You need this group, so I'm so happy to be here. I think you're really going to love this fan base too. Uh, you, you've played in front of it in the past. Uh, they really fill up American Family Field, and, and they bring a lot of energy every night. Every night, so it's why the part like it playing Milwaukee because every every night you find to the stadium, support the thing. I think it's a, one of the most important in baseball thing. You know, the fans support you guys. So it's why I'm so happy when they come here. Now I'm bringing my energy. Uh, I'm bringing my best. You know, help the thing win is the most important. But I want to do it 100 percent every day in the field. You know, make people. Happy. Happy, my, my team and the fans. Your versatility is something that the Brewers value and have valued for a long time under David Stearns and Matt Arnold and Craig Council as the manager, and, and you bring a lot of that versatility uh, to this ball club. How much do you enjoy moving around the field a little bit? I love it. For me, the most important play every day, no matter what was the position. You know, I told the, the manager today, he said, I love it play every day. He told me something for base. He's not, he told me not be a lot, but I said, man, I'll be here for you. You know, I'm playing for base. I come off field too. But I never played uh, for base, but I need practice, taking run ball. I went listen the people play uh, for base. But for me, uh, coming here, uh, I put it more uh, the manager, the job easy, you know. So I'll be available whatever position play me, uh, I'll be ready, you know. I uh, put in my base over there and um, uh, help the team win, you know. 
You faced this pitching staff already quite a few times this year, so you're pretty familiar with just how good of a group that is. <laughs> really good. <laughs> this starting is unbelievable. It's unbelievable space. And now I'm happy because I'm not facing uh, from the rest of the year. I don't know, but it's unbelievable when you, you see this pitching amount. It's unbelievable. You can, you know how you, I say all the time, you, you pick one base in, the, in this game, you bless it, you know, because it's so nasty, man. I respect how great, great starting here, great pitcher. I'm so happy to be here too, yeah. You've played a lot of games in Milwaukee. How much do you enjoy hitting at American Family Field? Oh, I love it. I love it over there. <laughs> I love it. Milwaukee hitting, great, great ballpark for hitting. Great. I love it over there, you know. So um, it's different when I'm busy now with the home, the home side is different now, but different energy because now the old people, you know, sure for you. I think it's well, my, my, my energy be different now. But I love it. I love it here over there. The Brewers made a trade in May for Willie Adamas, and, and this team really took off from that point forward. And, and the big thing about Willie that everybody noticed immediately was his energy and his positive attitude and, and just all of that that he brought to this team. Everything we've read, everything we've heard about you is that you're very similar in that regard. Have you had a chance to, to get with Willie at all yet? I know you haven't had a lot of time to meet your teammates, but um, you know to be able to add to a group that is already such a positive group it has to be exciting for you. Uh, yeah, you see, you see, when, when you see player. Happy in the field, you see how the person is, you know. And so Adame, uh, for a long time on the play, indifferent, but I saw the energy is good person. I know the other Dominican player took it really good uh, with him. I love it, this guy. You know, I saw right now he, he, he is true. You know, he's a happy guy, energy guy. I think I love it. You know, it's it's why the good thing, you know, he play hard every day is because how much is the happy you have in the clubhouse, you know. The secret, the team win is the, the everybody stay together in the clubhouse, you know. When you have a lot of people happy, you know, everything is there. The, the good energy is around you, you know, everything is together. Is it, you've been through this before, you've been traded before. Is it, is there anything you have to do going from a team that's kind of out of contention to a team that now is the front runner in their division? Or is baseball just about showing up and doing your job regardless anyway, so you kind of block that out? Yeah, you know, for me, especially, you know, my first trade is uh, 2012 with Chicago White Sox to Minnesota. So Chicago White Sox in the fourth place, he traded me to Minnesota to the last play. It's unbelievable. But it's different energy. When, when training me, uh, Minnesota to Arizona, uh, Arizona, he played for for one game, we call something like that. You know, it's different. You can make coming compete. When I play right now, my energy is an, another level. You know, because this team compete. You know, make a playoff, make the World Series. You know, so I think it's very happy. I'm very happy, um, and yes, I'm coming here play hard every day, no matter what. So and the most important for me, I'm fucking is you know everything. Do it, help the team win. I do it. Why I told the manager say whatever you need in the field. I'll be ready for you because I, I want to push you this thing win, win, you know, it's the most important. Eduardo, so great to meet you, and welcome to the crew. Thank you so much for the power. Escobar did not wait very long to make an impact. Of course, he homered in his first game in a Brewers uniform on Friday night. Let's jump into some of the numbers with the Brewers when you look at this team and just some of the, the, the raw numbers from a team standpoint. We've told you a couple times, 63 and 43, 20 games above 500. They reached that mark before the end of July, 
it was the first time the Brewers had ever been 20 games above 500 in the month of July. And it's the first time they've been 20 games above 500 since the end of the 2018 season. But here's a couple of other numbers for you. Remember when Willie Adamas was acquired, the Brewers had a negative differential in terms of run differential. The Brewers had a sub-500 record, as we know as well. Well, now they have a plus 88 run differential. That's clearly the best in the NL Central, but it's also by far the best in the NL East, and it's better than everybody except for three teams in the NL. The three teams in the NL West and the Brewers and Padres have kind of gone back and forth. The Padres are plus 93. Now, the Dodgers and Giants, those two teams are kind of out there a little bit from a run differential standpoint. But the other thing to remember about this team is that they're 34 and 19 on the road. That is the best road record in Major League Baseball, and it's not particularly close. This team has been getting it done on the road, and part of that's because they pitch it so well. When you have such a clearly defined path to victory every night, it makes it easier, and it makes it easier on the road when you got a guy that can shut down the other offense, keep that crowd out of it a little bit, and just keep rolling to victories. And the Brewers get that. They, they, they have not just the big three. We talk so much about Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta, and as well we should. But look what Brett Anderson did on this road trip. Uh, Brett Anderson was amazing. He went 11 and two-thirds and gave up just one run on this road trip. That's incredible stuff. Adrian Hauser pitched well. So the Brewers have great depth within their rotation. Even though we talk about the big three, it goes beyond that. There's very good depth with this starting rotation for the Brewers. Speaking of that starting rotation... Just told you, Brett Anderson pitched so well on this trip, and I had a chance to talk to him after his first start in Pittsburgh. And I asked him about the fact that he gets so many ground balls, and when he has Colton Wong and Willie Adamas up the middle and Luis Urias at third, how great it is to pitch to contact. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. Um, Not a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of swing and miss, and so whenever I'm going right, uh, get the ball on the ground, early outs, and... uh, try to be as efficient as possible, and I was able to do that the other night. I wouldn't drop the same-day travel day, but uh, that's kind of the cards we were dealt. But uh, we were able to make the most of it, scored some runs, able to settle in, and uh, it's a good overall team win. You know, I wanted to ask you about that. How, how much mental toughness and focus does it take to kind of grind through a day like that and perform the way you did? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, you know, like I said, fortunately, I wasn't in AAA really to experience any of those, and so I had to wait to the big leagues to have my first uh, start day travel day. But um yeah, I mean, you have to just deal with the cards you're dealt and able, you know, once you land, you kind of get in that routine and uh, mental itinerary of a normal start day and put everything behind you and go out there and try to get out. And like I said, fortunately, I was able to do that for the most part. Was the routine different at all once you got to the ballpark or was that able to stay fairly consistent to a normal start day? Yeah, I mean, it, um, everything before um, getting to the hotel was a little different, but then once you get to the hotel and kind of settle in, get some lunch, and then you kind of <clears throat> go about your normal routine. But uh yeah, I mean, like I said, up until that point, it was a little different. But once you get to, you know, somewhat of a normal schedule, you, you go about your day as, as much as you possibly can. Is take it to the same start day as, as normal. And, uh, you know, I was able to do that. Hopefully I don't have to do that too many more times, but uh, I'll take it. Hopefully you don't ever have to do it again. That would be that would be the preferable outcome there. This year in the offseason, when you made the decision to come back to the Brewers, at that point you knew Colton Wong was going to be here, and you probably had a pretty good idea just how good of an infield defense would be playing behind you. How excited were you to get that opportunity to pitch with those guys behind you? Yeah, I mean, just to get a, uh, a full slate of games in and have that defense behind me, um, you know, 
Willie wasn't here at that point, but he's come over, been a phenomenal addition at shortstop, and then obviously a multiple-time goal glover at second. And for what I do, um, you can't ask for much more of a better defense behind you. And like I said, uh, I try to get ground balls and quick outs, and uh, you know the defense has been very beneficial. Brett, I think a lot of people see you pitch every five days or every six days a lot of times over the course of this year with things being a little bit different, and they don't understand everything that goes on in between starts. Take us through what your routine is like in between starts and how much preparation you're doing for that next start and just getting yourself healthy and ready to go again. Yeah, I mean, it's more so just making sure my body feels okay. Um, you know, you're never really going to feel good at this age, you know, in this many years, but uh, as long as nothing really stands out from the rest, but it's all, you know, just maintenance and uh, making sure my body feels okay doing the, the strength and conditioning and doing the, the stuff in the training room and the arm care and all that stuff. It's, uh, you know, kind of tedious, monotonous at times, but it has to be done and it's necessary. And so, yeah, I mean, those those four or five days in between are crucial to get, you know, feel good enough to go out there and perform. And, uh, you know, here lately I've been doing a pretty good job of it. Your dad's in town. He's been able to watch you pitch uh, on Tuesday night and, and be around for this series. And he knows his stuff when it comes to pitching. He was a college coach and head coach at Oklahoma State. Um, he's been a pitching coach at a bunch of big programs, College World Series, things of that nature this past year with Tennessee, of course. How nice is it to have him that you can talk to after a start, bounce things off of, and, and obviously there's a lot of trust there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny with the way kids develop so early in power arms. I don't know if my stuff would play too well on his team. I think most of, the, <laughs> most of his guys probably have better stuff than I do at this stage, but I can pitch it up a little bit. But, uh, no, it's always fun to have him in the stands. You know, he doesn't get that opportunity too much because, you know, our seasons overlap and he's doing recruiting or doing doing stuff like that. So it's always good to see him and uh, have him in the stands and then especially to pitch well in front of him. You know, it's not a whole lot of, you know, don't really talk about what happened too much in-game or mechanics and stuff like that. It's just, you know, we're it's cliche, but we're best friends. And so it's just, it's just good to see him and uh, good to be around him for a couple of days at a time here and there. Yeah, Frank Anderson, one of the renowned pitching coaches in college baseball, for sure, no doubt about that. Trade deadline's coming up. What's it like in a clubhouse with 24 hours to go? And there's a little bit of uncertainty. Excitement, too, when you're a team that's in the hunt, thinking, hey, there could even be some more help on the way. Yeah, I mean, it's always better to be in this position than on the other side where, you know, what guy's going to be next to you in the clubhouse tomorrow or, you know, the next day or so on and so forth. And, uh, you're just getting shipped out, so it's obviously better to be on this side. Um, you never want to lose guys that you're close with, but uh, you know any addition at this point is going to you know make our ball club better, you'd think. And so uh, you know those are those are welcome additions, and uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting next you know 24, 36 hours. Well, Brett, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Appreciate it. Thank you. The Brewers made another move before the deadline, and that was for John Curtis, the reliever from the Miami Marlins, who spent the 2020 season with the Rays. Now, this is a guy that has a lot of postseason experience dating back to last year. With the Rays last year, he made nine total appearances in the postseason, and he threw to a 2.70 ERA over three appearances in the World Series. He threw three and a third in the World Series, gave up four hits, but just one earned run and three strikeouts. He pitched well against Houston as, uh, also in the ALCS as he made uh, four appearances in the ALCS and gave up just one run over four and a third. Didn't fare as well in the ALDS, but the Rays made it out of it against the Yankees. He's had some really good years the last two years uh, of his career, and he credits the Rays in, in a big way for helping him get on track, learning how to throw first pitch strikes, and he'll talk about that in just a few moments in our podcast but with the Rays in 2020 a 180 ERA in the regular season he was really really good 
And, of course, this year with Miami, a 2-4-8 ERA when the Brewers acquired him. His first couple of outings for the Brewers haven't been maybe what he'd want them to be, but you got to look at the, the whole sample. And I think the Brewers acquired a very effective reliever who uh, can have a big impact for the Brewers this year down the stretch. Let's listen in to my conversation with John Curtis. And one of the things I asked him was, were you surprised to be moved at the deadline considering the control that the Marlins still had with you not being a free agent for a long time? Let's be honest, I don't take uh, a day with any team for granted anymore. Um, I'm always grateful for wherever I am. And, you know, any team that gives me the privilege of wearing their uniform, I'm grateful for it. And you had been traded by the Rays after a great season last year, so that probably got you kind of prepared for anything, as you just said. What has been the difference for you? You have you have really had two really good seasons. What have you been able to to put into your arsenal that's helped you become such a great pitcher? I really tried to focus on being more of a strike thrower, really trying to get ahead in the count and exploiting count leverage by just throwing both of my pitches kind of half the time in all counts and really just trying to attack hitters and trust my defense. I know you've said Tampa Bay really helped you get to that next level. What was it about the way they laid everything out for you to help you develop to become the guy that you are? Well, Kyle Snyder just gave me a really good plan when I got to spring training last year on things I needed to improve on, specifically uh, kind of my first pitch strike percentage and um, kind of tightened up my pitch shapes. And then I really got a lot of help from my college pitching coach, Skip Johnson, who's the head coach of OU. Um, when I got released in 2019 from the Phillies in AAA, I went and worked with them for eight months. And then I got signed uh, after the bullpens I threw by the Rays. And then even this last stop in uh, Miami, I learned a lot from Mel over there and from the bullpen coach, Wellington Spada, and the bullpen coach, Stan, in uh, Tampa. So I've just had a really solid group of kind of pitching and bullpen coaches for the last two, three years where I've really been able to take their wisdom and apply it to my game. Throwing first pitch strikes, that sounds simple. It's a little more complex than that, right? I mean, it's not just as simple as, hey, I'm just going to get the first pitch over every time. There's got to be some strategy to how you get that first pitch over. Right. You know, then that, a lot of that comes down to the scouting report and trusting the analytic team to know kind of what uh, what you want to do when you get to two strikes and then how you want to get there. And for some guys, it's just to do the same pitch over and over and over again. For some guys, you want to start them hard and finish them soft. And some guys, you want to start them soft and finish them hard. And so kind of knowing who needs what and where in the zone, what quadrants you want to go to. But in general, you know, earlier in the count, you're better off missing a little bit on the plate than off because the difference between 1-0 and 0-1 with a big league hitter at the plate is pretty big. You were used a lot in the postseason last year by the Rays. You pitched a, a bunch of times, even in the World Series, and you pitched effectively. How much can that experience help you as this team gets ready for this stretch run? It was great for me, honestly. Um, I'd kind of been, I've been to the big leagues up and down since 2017, but really hadn't established myself until last year. And I feel like when I threw in the postseason, I finally got to be able to tell myself, like, okay, I've, I've been here and nothing else I'm ever going to do again is going to be bigger than this moment. And so I was grateful for it, but it also kind of made the game smaller to me to where no matter what it is, if we're playing in front of, you know, a few thousand people or a full crowd and if we're playing in October if we're playing in the middle of August you know the game's the same you just have to go out there and try to win each pitch win each inning win each game and kind of take it day by day it's cliche but it's true I would think too when you've been on that stage and had success that the bad outings in the regular season are easier to shake off not that those don't hurt 
but they're going to happen. There's going to be a bad outing here or there in the regular season, and now that you've been at, on that stage, it's a little easier to put it all in perspective. I think so, but I also think it's also a matter of the longer I played, the more I've made it a process-based uh, evaluation on a daily basis instead of result, where I'm sometimes more frustrated after a clean outing than uh, one where I maybe give up a run or two, depending on what my mental approach was and depending on how well I executed my pitches. And I've really tried to concentrate on just executing as many pitches as I can to where I want to and trust that, you know, the nature of the game, it's hard to hit and it'll play out in the long run. So I just try to evaluate every day on a process basis. I'm sure you're pretty familiar with Willie Adamas, having played with him last year. He's been infectious in this clubhouse. Everybody loves him. He certainly has brought a lot of uh, positive attitude and energy. Uh, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. Yeah, Willie's the best. <laughs> always has been, always will be. Well, John, we appreciate it. Congratulations on being a part of the crew. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I can't wait. Thank you. Let's get a win tonight. That is John Curtis with us here on the podcast. And that is episode number 208 of Brewers on Tap. The Brewers rolling. Hey, things are going well in the minor leagues. We're going to have an extensive look at things down on the farm on next week's Brewers on Tap. So make sure you tune us in then. This week, very heavy on the trade deadline because it was exciting and the Brewers definitely got better. Well, the crew will finish up this homestand. We will join you next when we're on the road in Chicago starting up that long three-city trip from Chicago to Pittsburgh to St. Louis. Have a great one, everybody. Stay healthy, stay safe, and go crew. I'm Lane Grindle. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.